With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good morning and welcome to the Capital District's Money and Investment Program. You are listening to the Fagan Financial Report. I'm Dennis Fagan sitting here with my brother Chris on this holiday weekend. Not a, as we do every Sunday right here on Newstalk 810 and 1031WGY from 10 to 11. So if you want to join in, we'll wish you a happy 4th and, and uh, find out what you're doing to celebrate it. Call in at 1-800-TALK-WGY, 1-800-825-5949 or star WGY. That is a free call. Got a lot to talk about today. The market rebound for one. Uh, where we go from here, three ways to make money in the markets. Chris has a recap of what do you got there, Chris? I got a little ranking for the United States' birthday, and I went to rankingamerica.com to give you our ranking in about 25 different categories. Some of them are funny, some of them are stupid. Not sure how accurate they are, it's just a little bit of something little, for discussion. Nice. Gilbert's got a Colorado Rockies hat on. Look at that. Yes. I wore my Rockies shirt a couple weeks ago, and he didn't say anything. He's from, you're from Colorado, yeah. right, Tomer? Nice. You ever yeah. get out there? You get back out there at well, all? Well, I'm, I'm going back on Thursday. Oh, Are you really? Nice. I'm going to see family. Nice. Where? Right, right in Denver? Oh, Aurora. Aurora. Right outside. With an A. Yes. Good for you. No. Now, do you do, did you do any hiking out there or anything? No, but I'm gonna, we're going to go out to Utah over uh, next weekend to go out hiking there. Good for you. I was in Boulder about eight years ago, and I was going for a run up one of the trails. Uh, and uh, people were running in the other direction, and uh, they said, J- just be careful. There was a rattlesnake on the trail up That's there. Right. And I was like, okay, I'll be more than careful. I'm heading back down to around. Heading back down to town. Exactly. Yeah. It's I saw a tarantula when we were out that way on the road. There was like mountain lion right in town. Yeah. yeah. So anyway. It's nice out there. It's a whole it different country. A anyway. whole different mountain, too. Like there's just, the, mountains are, the mountains are bigger than in... Um, on the East Coast, but they're also more sparse in terms of what the vegetation on them. Here, you have this, you don't really realize how big Marcy is, for example. Right, right, right. Because you, you don't have the run up to it like they have there. Well, you're coming from, you're coming from you know, to six like or 7,000 feet to about twelve or 13,000 feet. So you're already six or 7,000 feet. One of the things that level, always you know? embarrasses me when I'm on the West Coast, and I'm going to say this because I'm hoping that there's not that many people listening, I always get messed up with north, south, east, west. You know, I, I, I never knew what direction we were going Are in. Are we on the air, Tom? When we were in we Colorado. But Kath would always be, well, we're heading south. I'm like, we're heading south? I thought we were heading north. Like, I always hear, because it's just, you know, you have the Atlantic Ocean. It's to our right. If you're going to, right, right, you, you right. know what I'm saying? It's yeah, like, I know what you're saying. It just was always messed up. Yeah, I do know what you're That's saying. That's why as far I went to see Kate play one time at the University of Colorado and right. ended up in Cheyenne, Wyoming. So, you, you didn't know. Know, did you? <laughs> no. But anyways, uh, so the market quite, week, quite the rally, you know, I think as you look back at this week in the market, it just goes to show you that really nobody knows where the market's going over the shorter haul. And I got something, a post uh, from Ben Carlson that we can talk about later on. Three different ways to make money in the markets. One, you work harder than everybody else. Two, you're smarter than everyone else. Or three, 
you need to have patience with a long-term strategy and mindset. And although everybody tries numbers one and two, a lot of it comes down to number three, Chris. Patience, a long-term strategy, adhering to your objectives, not making uh, the big mistake, all those types of things that uh, we've seen over the, over the last you know, 27 years in business uh, that uh, time and time again, regardless of what happens, uh, there's a certain set of people that just kind of like tumble the ball. Time and time again on this show, we've said the same thing. And if you want to go to our website, FaganAsset.com, or like us on Facebook, you'll get our posts. But we posted right after Brexit. Uh, let, let, let me just read this. Let me start with the fact that we're sick and tired of Brexit. We don't find the terms it'll leave and go land funny at all. Why would we? After all, Dow is down some 800 points, and the average 401k in the U.S. has given back some $5,000. Let me go to the end where we give you what, what we think you should do. And this, is, this was right after Brexit. This was last weekend. First, take a deep breath and remember your 401k may have suffered recently, but the market as measured by the S&P 500 has averaged more than 5.7% over the past decade. At the same time, European averages have lost money. Nothing says that this will happen again, but it shows that U.S. stocks and economies don't always move in lockstep with Europe. Right, but I mean, I also think that. I mean, in fairness, I mean, who knows what would have happened? I think, I think the bottom line is that you know, we, if pressed for an opinion, well, it could have we, been in two thousand and eight, we, we, right, we could right. have written the same thing. I understand that, but this the, the latest movement in the S and P five hundred includes two thousand and eight. So over that same time period, including that two thousand and eight market debacle, you had an, the S and P five hundred up on average each year five point seven percent. And that's what I'm trying to point out is over the longer haul. You're better off taking the approach. Better to be in than out. Look, if, and you said it. I think you said it last week. If you want to trim around the edges, you know, all well and good. You yeah. know, if you want to make some moves on your portfolio so that you can sleep at night, or that you want a little less volatility in your portfolio. And who, you know, even today, uh, a couple things that did not rebound was the pound versus the dollar, and also our interest rates on our ten year went from one fifty seven to one forty six. So that came down and. You know, and who knows what's that going to mean? Uh, strengthening dollar, uh, dollar strengthen over the course of the week. Uh, uh, so that's I'm not a couple different any, things. Wouldn't surprise me at all if the market were to be down this week, would it? You? No, no. And I think, but I think you know, I, see, I guess you know, it's boring, but it's it's the same thing as everything in life. You know, you just do the right thing over time, and that if the market's going to stair step its way over the next fifteen or twenty years higher, especially with interest rates this low. Uh, I think the naysayers, Mark Faber being one of them, I'd love to see his returns. If, if everything he says he's been doing, he's been doing. Right. I mean, look at look at over the last five, six years. Every single person has felt that interest rates were going to go higher and basically excluded bonds in their portfolio. And I think if you ask the average person on the street, average intelligence, average perception of what's going on with the market – and ask them, wait, well, hey, what's the what are the what have the markets done year to date? I'm certain that they wouldn't tell you that the S and P 500 is up 2.9 percent year to date. Right. And the, the, we we go through these things over and over again. The other thing too, Chris, and, and we, you can talk about it is, look, you know, um, over the you, there's not there's not a heck of a lot of choice here if you want to. Uh, you, know, you have to participate. You have to invest. You can't let your money sit. At you zero. can. 
You know, you, you can, but over an extended period of time, I would grant one of two things are going to happen. Well, number one, you're not going to make any money. Or number two, you're eventually going to get into the market when it's substantially higher than it is right now. Right, you're because be no one's going to say, I'm sure the people who've been out of the market for a long period of time didn't say, oh, good, Europe's coming unglued here. Let me take advantage of Brexit and buy some stocks last Friday. Right. It's probably like more, more so confirmation bias, which is like, hey, I got out. Europe's coming unglued. I'm going to continue to wait until there's blood in the streets. And guess what? There's not enough blood right now. And right. So I think that's what happens. But week to week, um, uh, yeah, I'm surprised that the market snapped back like it did. Uh, Monday, uh, yeah, the Dow down 260 points. So Friday and Monday, the Dow's down nearly 900 points. Tuesday, it rallies 270. Wednesday, 285. Thursday, 235. And Friday, up up about 20 points on very heavy volume all week. And then now... The Dow up three percent year to date. The S up three point one five percent for the week. Up three percent year to date. So all the major indices were down going into the year, but the Dow, the S and P, and now the U.S. total market index are actually up for the year. The Russell two thousand up. Utility average, Chris, closed at an all time high on Thursday at seven sixteen fifty two, up thirty points for the week, or four point four percent up up at at seven six fifteen point ninety seven, up twenty four percent for the week and twenty eight percent. You know, that's looking a little bubblicious, as are the telecom stocks. And um, yeah, I think right now, I think the total aversion to risk, the let's get myself a portfolio that has as little risk as possible, but still participate in the stock market is overvalued. I agree. And I, I would say that from one of our top names, J&J, overvalued. I'm not saying I don't want to own that stock. I'm not saying that I wouldn't buy it here, but I think it's part of that uh Quartet of stocks, utilities, the consumer defensive names, uh, you know, some of the big pharma names uh, that uh, the dividend payer said as the interest rates have come down, a lot of money has gone into these stocks thinking that they're bond alternatives, they're bond wannabes and that you're going to be able to grab yourself three and a half, four percent over an extended period of time, you know, as opposed to putting your money in a 10 year treasury and getting one point five. Well, one. I think if you look at if you look at like steps away from from a CD, all right, what do you have in steps away from CD? You probably have, you know, shorter term fixed income or, or, or governments, commodity trading, yeah. no, <laughs> right. But you probably, on the fixed income side, you have fixed income, and then you have uh, within that within that that asset would be you know U.S. sovereigns, uh, high grade corporates. Medium grade corporates, lower grade corporates, and a step out from there are probably your, you know, your higher dividend paying stocks. The stocks that you don't care if they go up or down, you don't care if they go up, you just want to peel off that dividend. Those, are, that's the crowded trade right now, the utilities and telecom. But I would have said that a year ago, and 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 it just gets more and more crowded. If you look at the uh, the averages, and I just updated this for the month of uh, for the second quarter by sector weighting. Let me get to that. Um, let me see here. Little jeopardy. Oh, as of June 30th, utilities are 3.38% of the S&P 500, telecom a 4.13. So you have a lot of money crowding into about you know 7 or 8% of the S&P 500. And uh, I don't know when that comes home to roost. Uh, you, have, you have a company like Verizon, which we own. Uh, Altria Group, uh, which we own some of, uh, I don't know. John, you mentioned Johnson and Johnson. These stocks are are, are pretty richly valued. Verizon's fifty-two week high. It's which is uh, it's right up against it. It's, it just made a fifty-two week high. So 
Uh, but if interest rates that that's the thing, and I know I'm drawing it on, but if interest rates keep coming down, what's to stop these these uh, these prices from continuing to move higher, you know? Yeah, I think we, we received from uh, Goldman Sachs Asset Management their recap of the first half of the year. And I thought there was a couple things on there that I really thought that made a lot of sense to me. Some of them I didn't totally agree with. Uh, they said that, to, that uh, you know, the kind of like the U.S. is going to underperform globally. U.S. US large cap may be, may be challenged. Uh, many investors are under-allocated to emerging markets. I didn't know whether to... To, to to concur with that or not, I right. kind of left that apart. Uh, count income when income counts. But the two things that points that they brought up that I wanted to give to our listeners, uh, one was sell-offs happen. Recent market gyrations are a normal investment experience, not an aberration. In 19 of 21 positive calendar year returns since 1990. Okay, so in 19, we've had 21 positive calendar years since 1990. In 19 of them, the S&P... Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah. That's me. Nothing extra. Just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks... Then, there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. P500 spent some portion of the year in negative territory. Now, that could be that could be one day, but in looking at this, it was substantially more than one day in 19 of the 21 positive uh, years that we've had. So the point being made is that last Friday, as Brexit occurred and the market dipped into the negative, that's just part of what happens during the course of normal market events. So don't necessarily take and isolate that one day and run your portfolio like that. And that's one of the things that we do advise uh, you know, all the time. The other point that I think thought that they made, and I think it makes a ton of sense, is the consumer is king. Households are contributing a disproportionate amount to overall economic growth. Although the U.S., the euro area, and the U.K. are at differing stages of the economic cycle, the common thing theme is the primacy of household consumption. And I think we can see that in the United States. It isn't household consumption necessarily on an automobile basis. It's household consumption on... Uh, cell phones. It's household consumption on athletic gear. It's household consumption on going out to uh, going out to dinner. And if you really look at the percent, I saw this here. The percent that people buy things online. I think we kind of think, wow, U.S. is really hip and really cool. We're buying on Amazon. We're doing it at a much higher basis than the rest of the world. In 2015, 9.7% of U.S. purchases were online according to this right here. Uh, Western Europe, 7.5. But in Asia, it was almost 17% of all purchases were made online. Wow. Yeah. So anyway, I just thought those two things from 
Goldman Sachs Asset Management. We we get their uh, we we get their research made a ton of sense to me. One, consumer is king, and number two, sell offs happen. I bought that hook, line, and sinker. Right, fishing analogy for July fourth. There you go. Um, what else you got? No, I'm just want to get back at that bubbles and telecom and utilities and the like. Uh, so I ran of, off in another direction without Bobby. You were, the think, comment well, that you wanted. Well, you're just looking at whether or not, you know, if there's a bubble. Well, I mean, let me ask you this question. Would you buy Verizon here? I think I would. I think I would on pullbacks. And I think that's what's going on is any pullback in Verizon for an income-oriented investor is going is going to buy it. You know, uh, uh, do you see real value here? You know, I don't know. It pays two dollars and twenty six a share in the form of a dividend. That's four point one percent. The ten year treasury is at one point four. It's almost three times the dividend of Verizon than you do get in Treasury. So yeah, if a pullback emits this environment, and the other thing too is like, and, and I know, I think I and I was on this same boat. I don't know you if you were or not, but I thought interest rates were going to trend up. Uh, but trend. Not- we weren't. We weren't thinking, and we, I think we've said this any number of times on the show. And I'd have to go back and look th- through uh, our website to know if we posted that. But the, I thought interest rates were going to trend higher. I didn't see a four percent ten-year U.S. Treasury even when we capped into the mid twos. No, neither did I. And even if we did, see, that's the thing I think about it is, is that when we sit here on this show or, you know, you're talking to uh, somebody on the radio, they call for uh, the volatility in the market or this or that. You're, you are, there's, there's shorter term questions that you're faced with. Okay. And you give an answer. But the bottom line is that even if we expected interest rates to go up, asset allocation comes first. Don't you think asset allocation, according to your objectives and risk tolerance comes first? Yes, uh, without a doubt, and I think that that trumps all. No, right, right. Just because I think that's going to enable you to get through some difficult times and be properly invested during both market ups and downs. So, so if you have the close of last year, you have the ten year at two twenty seven. Now the ten years at one forty six. But as I read this, and like I, 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 maybe I'm more, a little more concerned about it than you are. But let me ask you a question: The German ten year note at the close of last year was point six three. Now it's a negative one point two six or point one two six. The Italian went from one fifty nine. Bounced up after Brexit, so that was kind of a little a warning sign to 156. But now it's at 123. The Spanish tenure went from 177 to 115. The Japanese tenure is a negative 0.25%. The 10-year UK guilt went from 1.56 to 0.86 from the, the end of the year to now. And it also went from 1.08 to 0.86. The Swiss 50-year note is negative. What does that say to you? What does that say to you? Well... <laughs> Well, the Swiss, I mean, the Swiss don't participate. I, I don't think the Swiss have the euro, do they? I don't think so, no. So No, they don't. They don't. They're the Swiss franc. Right. So you're, you, I, I can understand why that might be negative because you're going to be repaid in Swiss francs, which at that point years? in time. Well, you know, the thought is that maybe interest rates could go lower and you might be able to get out during that, I know. During that point in time. I, I don't understand why we actually seem like a high interest rate here, you know. But, but I think I, our contention all along has been the enemy is deflation. The correct. enemy, in our minds anyway, is not inflation because a modestly inflating economy would we th- we think would be good for the stock market. The real bugaboo is a serious deflationary environment where uh, you know interest rates go down and companies have difficulty selling their price. 
selling their products at the prices that they're trying to sell them for. Real estate prices collapse. That's the real enemy as we see it. Now, is that enemy getting closer to our front door then if if you have this move into negative interest rates by – you know, ten or twelve trillion dollars of, of uh, central banks. That's that's the other thing I'm thinking is is. Well, uh, I mean, you're you're continuing to see that the global right. really lack of demand, but we have seen commodity prices start to stabilize go, and go up. Right, stabilize right, and go up. We have seen the Baltic index, which monitors shipping, you know, across the globe, start to go up. So I I, I think some of that gives you a little bit of conflicting sim- signals then. I do too. And you have, you also have, you know, uh, your agricultural commodities up, gold and silver's up. You know, maybe it's a fear trade, maybe it's an inflationary hedge. Uh, maybe there's another round of QE that floods the market with, with cash. I think the problem right now is uncertainty. There's so much uncertainty out there. You see uncertainty in the stability of the European alliance. You see uncertainty in China and the economy in China. You see uncertainty from a geopolitical perspective. You know, you had the recent attack in you know Bangladesh. You've had a you know, situation in Orlando, San Bernardino. So the whole structure of, uh, you know, the world's countries has has kind of been called into question as well. You see the the US political situation, you have uncertainty there. You see economy in the United States which seems to be sputtering trying to gain a little bit of footing but not necessarily doing so. And I think what you've had is you've had a real shrinking of the middle class uh and and based on the fact that there's been so much technology that's been put into play in the world. And I think that that is really what we in the United States are grappling with. How do we replace that, uh, you know, factory worker that was making, you know, you know, $40 an hour back in, you know, 2001. And that's, and you're right. The technology is, is a main component that also, and I know we talk about it all the time at work. And I think here is that, um, when you're at the top of the heap, remember playing King of the Hill, everybody's trying to get you. So everybody's trying to undercut you. People are coming from your back. And it's no different with our standard of living here in a, what's now in, 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 in a global economy, globalization. You can, you, can, you, can, you can blame globalization, but I think one of, the, one of the facets that doesn't get a lot of play is, eight, is technological gains. And there's no way. And look, we would love if it weren't this way, but there, but there's no way that the U.S. can compete. The larger that labor is a component of production, the the, the less we can compete, or the less we're gonna we're gonna really want to compete because it's gonna erode our standard of living. Don't you think? Yes. I saw. So I should maybe stick on this a little bit. So, so that's that's that global fight that. Uh, we in the United States are faced with. Do you think the do you think the market snapped back because everybody realized it ran up to to Brexit, it, it pulled back after Brexit, and obviously it's run up again. So we're probably a little higher than the post the pre Brexit run up. You know, uh, however, uh, we're still in a trading range. Well, I think people saw the reaction to what happened to the vote. I think people in Spain, people in Italy, and they thought, well, we don't want that to happen to our economy, right? And and also, I don't think it was – the UK, in my mind anyway, and there's probably people out there that could speak even in this area – more knowledge with the UK never really viewed itself as, you know, a complete partner in in the EU. You know, they they didn't have the euro. Uh, and there was so much regulation that was being jammed down their throats that 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 was as big a component of it as anything else. And and I think that that's why the market responded positively this week is the thought 
kind of came back to, hey, the EU is going to have to be more compromising with some of its members uh, and will in order to keep them. And I also think it was a reaction against a lot of the regulation that we've seen in this country as well. And, 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 you know, I think it was a populist vote, too. Uh, Look, I don't care. I don't care what it is. I'm going to vote against what. And I think you've seen it here. I'm going to vote against what mainstream smarter, wants. The smarter, richer people are telling right. me. They said it was a vote against the Davids, a vote against Cameron, and a vote against Beckham. Right. You had a superstar football player, media star, as well as you know, a political figure telling us, hey, the smart thing to do is this. And you see that a lot in the United States. You see, you, you have to act this way. You have to feel this way. And there's just some people in the country that don't feel that way for religious reasons, for political reasons, whatever they are. And there's a lot, there's a broad swath of Americans that globalization has not been good for. Again, if we're king of the hell, there's a, there's a, the middle class has been carved out. So really. And that's many. a huge uh, there was a story, and I, and I think it was Brian, uh, Brian Lynch right, uh, from CNBC who told that story. And he was just saying that his town, they all made light bulbs. And Brian Sullivan. Brian Sullivan. Yeah. 300 people were employed making light bulbs. And all of a sudden, all those light bulbs were going to be made in China. But light bulbs were going to be cheaper right. and, and more energy efficient here. <laughs> right. Great. So That's even great for though, people. It's great for us. Even Walmart's great for us, but it's carved out a lot of mid- the middle class jobs. I think of a lot of stores that have gone away. Right. Me great. too. Time for the news? So it's time for the news on News Talk 810 David G.Y. on this July 4th weekend. Werewolves in London. Is that, that, is that for the Brexit? A little Brexit? I thought you'd come out with us with muskrat love from America. Kid Rock. Or something U.S. oriented back in the U.S. Oh, this is Kid Rock? I thought it was werewolves in London. <laughs> That, seriously, I honestly did think that was werewolves. It starts out like it's got the it's got this does. Kid Rock. That's people, I said, tell me if I'm people Kid Rock. have asked me, clients, are you really that stupid about music? And I honestly have to tell them yes. I mean, I really when my my kids will be astonished when I don't know that that's Dire Straits or uh, that's the only I I know Bruce Springsteen called the Beatles, yes. the Rolling Stones. That's about a it. Lot. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The Irish music. The wheels on the bus go round and round. I know a lot of like little uh, grandpa stuff, but uh, yes, I am. Tomer, you got to hold up a cue card for him in the future. You know what I mean? That's, uh, That's one of my favorite songs, too. Is it really? All Summer Long. Uh, is that what the name of it is, Tom? Do you know? Yeah. I thought it, I honestly thought it was Werewolves of London. It was like a Brexit, Iceland, that, uh, yeah, Iceland right. beat uh, England. Did they really? No, no. It's today. Oh, Iceland, oh, France today. Iceland did beat England did this they? week. Iceland, France today. Oh, wow. So, anyways. Uh, the, uh, that story is amazing, though. They only have three. 8% of their population was at the game. That's amazing. 8%. That'd be like 250. Uh, 25 million Americans being at an event. How many How many Ice, uh, citizens are Iceland? Like 100,000? What? In Iceland? I yeah. think there's 350,000. All right, so there's 25,000 people. And Iceland is on my people. list later on at pretty interesting levels. Well, we're going to get to that, but I want to talk first about 
uh, Betterman, you know, uh, one of the leading independent robo advisor. Uh, and this was some investment news. And I think invariably it all comes down to human beings investing and making decisions. Okay. So Betterment, the leading, and this is from investment news, uh, dated June 28th by Alessandro Malito, uh, Alessandra Melito, uh, Betterment, the leading independent robo-advisor, pulled a Wizard of Oz moment on Friday, a week ago Friday, when it decided to delay trading for two and a half hours to protect, quote-unquote, investors from market volatility following the shocking Brexit vote. It's, it's kind of like the anti, it's your money, and we know that. Exactly. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're going to save you from yourself, the, the, the liberal bias there, the suspension which started when the market opened at 9.30 Eastern, prompted critics across the industry to slam the move as unnecessary. That Betterment failed to tell investors and only informed advisors using Betterment Institutional. So investment advisors are smarter than investors, even though it's their money. Right. I think that's unbelievable. There's always going to be a human element. Matthew Fronsky, senior executive consultant and head of consulting at Casina. It's not truly automated. And I think... Uh, we, you know, have, having read a ton of studies and huge believers in the behavioral side of investment and why investors tend to underperform the market, uh, uh, some investors are looking at these these robo type of um, robo type of uh, advice. However, when push comes to shove, I think your finger on that trigger is going to trump all. And and obviously, Betterman, Betterman says, we know better than you. Uh, your advisors know better than you. And we're going to uh, stop trading. That's- it's kind of like when you hear th- from on a lot of shows, you'll say, well, the smart money is doing this. And the little investor, the smaller investor is moving here. Hence, we want to move in the other direction. Actually, the smaller investor really hasn't been getting it wrong. It's the larger investor, that the institutional investor, and a lot of hedge funds that have been saying, market's going to collapse. Interest rates are going to go up a whole bunch. And, you know, we just think that time in the market is much more important than timing of the market. But what I did notice in the third time in today's show, and this could be subliminal advertising, we've used the word Trump. Huh. You just used it, Trump. I Did used I really? it a couple times in the first. And when I was using it, I was saying, hmm. Well, I'm seeing things through my own prism. That's another That's a big Lens and prism. I know lens my daughter, Kate, I always give her grief. Lens and prism through my own lens. But what I have noticed, and I have noticed not very few, I've noticed a lot of Trump uh, signs in the Adirondacks. But there's like if there's one Trump sign, there's always two Trump signs. I've seen just ind- individual Hillary signs. It seems like it's always – that's when we go past them. I go, Trump, Trump. It's like their signs always seem to travel huh. in pairs. I can't wait till the conventions, and I can't wait till the debates. As long as it doesn't ruin the market, it doesn't ruin our lives, it doesn't ruin America's economy. Life, it's going to be incredible economy. And I mean, how is the the attorney general meeting on a tarmac with Bill Clinton? I, I mean, don't know. It's like what could you possibly be thinking? Anyway, Nothing. So here's what I did then. Today, in honor of America, I wanted to pull down a where we are, since that's kind of what we we try to do with frequency on the show. And so I went to Ranking America, and they had some things that are you're just going to have to bear with me here. We always do. We always do. So let's let's go down in linguistic diversity. The United States is 115th globally, and the country that's number one is Papua New Guinea. 
Don't, don't ask me why. Number of prisoners. The United States is number one. China is number two. So we have more prisoners in the United States than any other country. I'm sure that's not something that we really want to be proud right. of. Right. In education, we're number 14. And I don't know how these are measured. Go to Ranking America if you want to find out how each one of them is measured. South Korea is number one. National satisfaction, the United States is number 19. I'm not going to ask how that's China, that either. China is number one. And satisfaction? Yeah, so uh, maybe yeah. Chinese are just too scared to say that they're not satisfied. Right. North Koreans are number one. That's right. <laughs> Healthcare efficiency, so life expectancy. Uh, with health care costs, the United States is 44. Singapore, number one. Wow. Yeah. Religious diversity, we're 66. Confidence in President Obama, we're number 17. I mean, other countries have more confidence in President Obama than we Yes, do? I think there was like, in this particular survey I looked, there was 88 countries huh. surveyed. And number, I, number one, I saw what it was, but I didn't write it down, unfortunately. Global competitiveness, believe it or not, we are number three. Behind Switzerland and Singapore. See, and that's where technology really leads it is productivity. You know, it's productivity that is very is key here, you know? Yeah. And that, that obviously adds to global competitiveness. Yeah, I'm sure I can see the Swiss being competitive, you know, globally because they want to be and the Singapore's because they'll be beaten if not they're not. <laughs> Sorry. No, there was that incident when we had the U.S. Yes. student over there. So wireless penetration, wireless broadcom throughout the whole United States, throughout the whole country. We are seventh. Okay. That's pretty good. Right. Approval of drone strikes. The United States approves drone strikes at the second highest percent globally. Number one, if you can get this, you could get. After I say it, you're going to say, "Yeah, I understand why that country what did you is give number so one." So far, you gave uh, approval of drone strikes. Israel, we're a sec. You're right. Good. Kind of figured that. That's really good. Israel That's, is a hotbed for technology. Really, it is startups. Yeah, mobile eye. Cost of fast food. The United States is 60th. So, you know, you're thinking that burgers and fries here are really, really expensive. They're, they're not, but they're also not cheap. I'm going to Wendy's. Most expensive. Norway, Venezuela, and Switzerland has expensive fast food. That's, that's why really fa- fast. The, the, the Swiss are really productive, but that's because they're just eating lunch at their desk. That that 60 is probably going up because of the lobster roll at McDonald's. That's what <laughs> Kath was just like. Did she have one? No, she says. McDonald's has a lobster roll? I can't believe that. How could it possibly be any good? And I'm like, listen, don't ask me, but if you're just discovering that McDonald's has a lobster roll, I've right. had a lobster roll for as long as uh, lobster. The rib, the rib sandwich. Anyway, accepting homosexuality, the United States is 13th. Number one is Spain, and last is Nigeria, Ghana, and Senegal. Wow. Okay, keeping after this, number of Olympic gold medalists from figure skating, United States, number one. I figured that much. You did. Of course you did. Uh, Freedom of the press, 46th, the United States. Really? Finland is number one. What are the top five? No, I did. Finland was number one. Wow. Are you on that website right now? Yeah. You kind of think, well, Finland had that. Who was the Who was the book? With the guy, with the girl with the dragon tattoo. That was right, Finland, right, right. right? So that was kind of the whole thing that, of that. Andorra, wasn't that bewitched mother? Wasn't she Andorra? Andorra. <laughs> Andorra's right near Spain, I believe, isn't it? Is it? Anyway, I'm not really totally sure. So anyway, marital infidelity. The United States is 13th. And the place where people cheat on their wives or husbands the most frequently is? Canada. 
La Vie en Rose, uh, oh, France. France. Yeah. Not surprised. And if you see Netflix Marseille, you're going to believe that. I totally think Tracy that can hear true. us. Foreign-born citizens, United States, 24th United Arab Emirates has the most percent foreign-born citizens. Literacy, United States, 24th. Shanghai and China, Shanghai, China, number one. I was talking to somebody who did a lot of business in Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. I think it was it was Saudi Arabia. And he was saying, as an American, when you go over there, they take your passport. That's I, yeah, because uh, I may be my wrong. My nephew was over there. No, on, was on he the really? other side of the family, and he, I think they did take his passport. Actually, that's he said that was one of the scariest things. When they actually, when you, you know, when you cross, you know, go through the security or border check, they they take your passport and give it to you when you leave. Mm-hmm. That is frightful. You know, we we forget how how blessed we are here on this July Fourth weekend. You know, a couple of years ago, I was I, we went to to Corsica on vacation where I played basketball. You know, a couple a couple centuries ago, and flying from Paris to Corsica, and they've got a separatist movement there that's been militant at times. <laughs> kind of like the IRA. Yeah, and they uh, took my backpack. They opened my whole backpack up and took every single thing out of my backpack, and they did that to everybody flying on this flight. Right. Now, I had I had underwear in there. It was it was embarrassing to a certain extent, right. but, you know, I mean, they, they, they don't mess around like, like you know, I'm sure. The Especially the Curious George underwear. You know, exactly. Yeah. Happiness, United States, number 17th. Number one was Denmark. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Having a nice old age. Person, I'm just asking the question. A nice Having old a nice age. old age. United States is eighth. Sweden and Norway, number one. You really got Tomer interested this, over there. Look is, at him. He woke up. This is, this is interesting. And this, will, this, will, this is going to slam Donald Trump number here. The number of hours worked during the course of a year. The United States was number... 11 2100 right? no, no, Mexico is number 1 There are more there this this is I'm a, not not saying how hard anybody's working this is just the number of hours worked right. Retirement security US number 9 Denmark number 1 and finally and this will this will be good for you this is something that you should consider as we're moving forward and I'm not saying I, uh, it be, well, you're on radio so it really doesn't matter No number 1 in plastic surgery in the United States Really? Yeah. I'm not surprised. So that's just a little bit of a State of the Union type of address from uh, Ranking America. I thought that people would find that interesting, you know, given the market is creating such uh, inertia right now. There are more people emigrating to Mexico than immigrating from Mexico. I think that's the first time. And they, they, there, there are people that, that say that you can tell the direction of a country by immigration and emigration. Hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. I would think you know. Right. So, which I don't. It doesn't necessarily say something good about the United States. No, no. Right. I think people are a little afraid of this election. But how about how about the uh, the other thing too? Is I wanted to to bring up. And that was that was. That's really, all I got on ranking America people. One eight hundred talk WGY one eight hundred eight two five five nine four nine star WGY star nine four nine. That's a free call. Um, just I want to touch basis on Tesla and then you know take a look at the second half of the year. But Tesla, uh, first n- known fatality in in 130 million miles. That's what driven. you always beat me up on earlier today. Right, I know. I don't get that. You know, but you know that's that's half of the national average. 
National average is one fatality every 65 million miles. Tesla's was their first in 130 million miles. You know, and I thought, wow, that's a lot of miles to drive with only one fatality. And it was. But then I started to think of how many miles I've driven in my life, and I've probably driven close to a million miles, maybe more. You know, if you've been dri- you've been driving forty five years or th- or so, so if you're driving twenty two, twenty three thousand miles a year, yeah, yeah, probably pushing you know, a million miles. Yeah. Now, um, what was interesting about that too is that for those that didn't know, I guess a, a, a white truck turned in front across the lane of somebody right. driving. I was kind of knew how it was how it had happened, but I didn't explain it to Joe because I knew he wouldn't understand. Right? It. Somebody, I guess the guy was watching a movie or something like that, and was not he he was not using the automation as it was intended to, but nonetheless. Uh, Why, what do you mean he wasn't? I using think he was watching a movie. Well, you know, you're supposed to have your hands ready to go on the wheel and oh, paying okay. attention. Okay. Um, then why have a driverless car? I don't. Th- it's not driverless. It was. Aut- it's an automated okay. car. Okay. All right. You know, I don't really know the. You know. But no, I, I really. You know, I did dispute that with Joe. I mean, I would be uncomfortable right right now in the city having a driverless car. Like if you said, go sit in the back seat. This car is going to take you home right now. I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that. But I do think over the coming three, four years, for example, I drove back from Boston last night. If I could have, if I could have popped that thing on when I got on the mass pike, I, I would have been comfortable with that. Well, when that. you think about it, when you think about and forget the uh, the structural problems with the workforce from driverless cars. Um, you think about the really the the uh, la- the reduction in the number of fatalities and accidents. Just the de- de- driving while intoxicated accidents, things like that. People falling asleep at the wheel. Uh, all it's the- going to be a problem for taxi drivers. I think it's going to be good for pollution in bigger cities. It's going to be good for parking problems in bigger it's cities. Good for roads and bridges. People you know, share. Yeah. People share share cars. You know the whole zip car thing, which phenomenon, which never really took off. I think you know this. This will be interesting. Well, and if you think if you think about it, think about your family. Uh, you know, I could think about my family during the course of the day. Most of my day is spent at the office. I need to go out once in a while. But if you could so. send your car back home, you'd probably only have to have right. one car. Right. Instead of the seventeen that you have, right? Well, even even Aaron, who works with us, he wouldn't need a car. You know, you could have one car for he and I. You know, he gets in a little later than we do, and it's like, you know, back and forth. You know, have you ever taken an Uber? I know yes. my family swears by it, but yeah, I've I'd never just one. been in the situation where I took it. I've taken the subway a bunch of times in the city, never really needed to take a cab. We took one in New York, and you know, with subways. The subway's still a lot nicer than the Uber, obviously. But what was this? So this Tesla, this white truck, crosses. I think takes a, a left turn or a right turn uh, immediately or crosses over in front of this Tesla. Now, the white truck, the sun was in back of the white truck. So I guess the infrared lasers on the Tesla could not differentiate between the light coming from the sun and the white truck. Okay. And they did not activate. The brakes did not activate. And the guy just slammed right underneath the truck and, and was killed. Yeah. Uh, you mean you just... But that's that's progress not Joe's point. I mean, yeah, that's not Joe's point, obviously. But progress is a funny thing, and I and I said this to Joe, and I and I this is a true story that when I was thirteen, I had kidney failure. No, I, I, I was I, on I was dialysis. I had the scars right on my wrist, and uh, I wouldn't be alive if there hadn't been advances in that type of technology. And I, mean, I know there's been even more advances in, you know, renal failure and technology since, since in 1970, I was in the hospital for that. So I think we can all, what I said to Joe, and I think this is true. We can all pick and choose the type of technology that we want and that we don't want. Yes. We want to order from a person at Panera. We don't want to go on to an iPad when we get on. Or Panera. Joe wants to fly to Florida or fly to wherever. You right. Know? But he doesn't want, you know, Whatever. I don't know what he doesn't want, to be honest with you. 
I think what Joe what Joe is saying, and, and too. I, if his point is that we are seeing a shrinking middle class and we have to do something to address that, I'm with that 100%. And I think at points in time we thought that that was going to be done with the energy industry and then you had a little bit of the you know, the global petroleum price collapse and also with, with a move towards um, – you know, non-carbon type producing, you know, energy probably isn't a good long-term solution. You know, I think the big fear is now technological advances led to other industries. But I think today's technological advances, I don't know if you want to call like Facebook a technological advance, but there's a lot, it's a, it's a lot less labor intensive new industries that are being formed today by technology. A, because uh, they're more socially driven than they are um, you know, manufacturing driven, at least in the United States. And B, uh, technology is doing more of the labor part, labor component of production than, than, it, than it was before. So uh, that, I think that is a real concern over the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years. As, as technology advances, automation and the, the thought processes, if you want to call that, of automation, you know, encroaches upon labor. Well, but I do think we are moving towards a much lazier service type of an economy. And I do think that there's a lot of opportunities for individuals to start their own business, whether that business is driving seniors to doctor appointments, whether that business is lawn care, whether that business is being a personal trainer for but is that going to feed one's family? Players. I do. I, I think absolutely. Think of what you might pay, what someone might pay to have their lawn cut once a week, as opposed to using what, their free time. And here's here's a quote, and this is from uh, Niam Bushnell, uh, Bushnell, who's Dublin's commissioner for startups, t- talking about business opportunities. This is a great opportunity for us. And basically, he's talking about Brexit and, and Britain leaving the Eastern, the the uh, the European Union. And to a certain extent, I think that a lot of younger people, as they're coming out of college, maybe have the anticipation that they are going to go work for Apple, or they're going to work for Google, or they're going to be a you know a Wall Street tycoon. But you know, a lot of times you kind of got to make your way. And I think of all the jobs that you've had. I mean, I've I've, I've loaded you. And, you know, you you worked on a garbage truck for a while. We've loaded trucks for the Grand Union. I cut. Pipes for uh, the Matthew Sprinkler and Troy. I painted for Manpower for a summer. So I think sometimes you got to find your way to what might be your life calling or to a business that makes sense in the environment that you're in. Right, and I think yeah, and I think that 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 has repercussions probably for the education. You know, education. I think uh, education's skewed right now. Okay, grab a four-year degree, go to a school, get a degree in whatever you're getting a degree in, and that's really not the way that maybe we should be directing, you know, our educational pursuits. But I think we want to give, in quotes, everybody the same opportunity, whether they're coming from a rich environment or whether they're coming from a poor environment. And everybody doesn't necessarily have to go to a four-year school and get a degree in medieval literature. Mm -hmm. That's not going to necessarily be what's going to be in their best interest over a longer period of Mm -hmm. time. There's a... Kind of in that same vein was a. Uh, Although my reading of uh, you know goth is incredible. <laughs> the uh, is like, I'm assuming a medieval yeah. author. Right? This is from Ben Carlson again, posted June 28th. You're like about, Ben Carlson's dog great. this morning, he's aren't great. you? But uh, Bill McBride at Calculated Risk, he writes this article, put out a fascinating table on his blog recently. It's kind of, I think it's a reflection on immigration. The population, the most common ages by year in 2015 were. Were, or 2010, were 50, 49, and 20. 
in 2015, 25, 26, 24, then 23 and 27. So the top five most common ages in 2015, all in their 20s. The top five common ages in 2020, obviously are a little older, 29, 30, 28, 27, and 31. In 2030, all a little older. But in 2030, the top 10 most common ages are all under 50. In 2020, the top 10 most common ages are all under 50. In 2015, the top 10 common ages, three are 50 and older. And in going back 2000. When you say common ages in this country? Yeah. Okay. 2010, the, three of the 10 most common ages were 50, 50. I mean, so you're saying the population skewing a lot Yeah, younger. yeah. And I think that's will end up being positive for, you know, housing, for for uh, consumption. But uh, I think you've got, uh, you hate to call this a lost generation, but I think you've got a lost group of people that have gotten out of college here, you know, over the last five, seven, ten years that are very, very fortunate if they've found employment in a life that they anticipated when they went away to college. I agree. And I think, let's say, let's say that that encompasses people, you know, 32 to 22. Okay, you're saying five, ten years? Yeah, I would think between the people from maybe 24, I think it's gotten a little bit easier over the last couple of years. 24 to 32, maybe got a little late start, took a job that, that was under, in quotes, underneath them. And um, you're kind of fighting their way to get to the point where they might want to be, got a little bit more loans. I think there's been a movement really recently to being more careful about choosing a college and paying for college and paying sixty grand a year to go grab a liberal arts degree. Now I'm a liberal arts major from so Colgate I, yeah. University, so you know I'm not disparaging what that's meant to me. But I am saying that the practicality of it in this environment isn't necessarily the same as it might have been thirty years ago. Well, and I think plus there's a big difference t- today is and it's over a trillion dollars in aggregate student debt. I'm thinking in 2006 and 2007, it was like 150 billion. It's you know, what do they call it? Sextupled over that over that you know eight or nine year period. I think that's killing us. Uh, but I also think if you think if you look at and this kind of all pertains to the market over the longer haul. If you I, so I think you're right. Let's say you're right about that age group. Would you say 24 to 32? I also think there's a a 47 to 59 or 47 to 60 that 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 middle class. That has gotten lost. And I think we've also got to do something. And I think yeah. really reluctant to retire a lot of people. Well, interest rates are so low and interest you know, rates are there's so no defined low. benefit there's plans. There's so much uncertainty out there. You saw what the market happened in 2008. And so those people are lingering on, which has caused a little bit of the logjam that you're seeing from the people 24 to 32. Not that they were going to take someone's place who might have had a higher position at the age of in, the, in their mid-50s, but that might have created that little bit of opening where they got in at a little bit of higher level in a major corporation. And that middle class, that, that's a good point because those people are staying on. You're right. There's not, they're not staying opening on. I'm seeing doors. more people staying on. Got a couple buddies that's, that's – stayed on or even started to consult a little bit. Why wouldn't you? Because left. if you have a defined contribution plan, like a 401k, that that's what you're living on is 401k and social security. You can't lock in a lot of money into, into a yeah, 10 yeah, year You only get a note. certain number of years down here though. So you want to enjoy, make sure point. that you enjoy them, you know, that'll do it though. Happy fourth to all of our listeners and uh, enjoy the day. We're off tomorrow. And uh, Chris, have a good day. CD. With the lucky land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.